In these uncertain times, we at Simi Valley Adventist School are committed to using every avenue of communication to support our parents and our students. As we confront what it means to learn at a distance, the entire staff is working hard to make this new remote education landscape more easily navigated. This is the Simi Valley Adventist School News and Updates. Welcome. I am the host, Stephen Stokes, principal and teacher at Simi Valley Adventist School. Join me as we discuss the latest updates of our K-8 school and support for you and your children, their education now and for eternity. Good evening, Simi Valley. It is April 28, 2020. How was your Tuesday? Mine was wonderful. Very busy, but actually very good. <clears throat> and um, just a few notes of interest on the news and updates level, and that concerns this Thursday night at 7 p.m. There will be another parent meeting on Zoom. You will receive, tomorrow you will receive the Zoom invite. Uh, tomorrow at 12.30 I'm having a Zoom meal with my grade 6 through 8. And I've been talking to my teachers. They're continuing to evolve and change things and make them better. Please keep your recommendations coming in and understand that we can't always make those adjustments, um, but we are looking into any idea and uh, learning the technology and the limits of the technology, and um, we're doing all these things. I hope you've stopped by and pick up a t-shirt. We have the Homestyle Learning t-shirt. I'm not calling it homeschooling. You're not homeschooling. It's Homestyle Learning is what I'm calling it because it ends in June. I read an article just this evening that said Gavin Newsom was our governor was considering starting school up considering possibility of starting school up July or August I think that once things move towards a norma a normalcy of whatever that will be I think we'll see that schools will need time to contemplate the whatever rules and regulations he wants to create so it's going to take him a bit to get that put together. So I, I don't foresee us delaying coming to school, but I don't see us speeding it up. Um, so other than that, uh, again, please, uh, on the helpful level, I kind of get sidetracked there. Let's go ahead and, you know, please, if you got ideas, share them. Uh, we'd love to hear them. Um, remember, everything we're doing right now, we are considering the full scope and range of all of our students in each of our classrooms. We cannot just consider... A singular student but let me just give you an example I had a student up a, 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 um, a parent of a of a sixth grader came to me and said hey you're studying the, the Civil War and the pre-Civil War uh, situations and is it okay if we dig a little deeper and make up our own project I went absolutely you're the principal and the teacher and they're like great so I love that uh, you find something you're like your kids are interested and you've got some ideas let the teacher know, hey, instead of this, we're, we're doing this kind of a project at home. We're, we're going to love that. And that goes into my topic for this evening. I'm not going to do a long topic because the fact is I've got a headache and I'd like to get home. It is 9 p.m. exactly. But uh, it's from a book that I've read several times. And it deals with standards and strategies for raising student achievement. But it's called Teaching What Matters Most. And in that... They talk about strategies for thoughtful learning, and I thought you would find this part of it interesting because I'm not trying to create teachers out of you. I just want you to know that there are some unique things that we do think about. And um, 
And one of those is the nature of thought. All right? So, real quickly, let's define thought as, you know, a pursuit of purpose under conditions of uncertainty. When you have to stop and think. Okay? First of all, stopping and thinking is a good thing. Um, in a lot of young teachers, I've been able to train at different levels. One of the things I'm always saying is, if a kid doesn't know an answer right away, don't give them the answer right away. Give them time to think. It's okay. You have no idea the number of times I've asked a question. Five, six, seven, eight hands will go up, and they're all like straining to the sky. Um, remember, do you remember uh, Horshack from uh, Welcome Back, Cotter? Ooh, 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 ooh. You know, and oh, they're so anxious. And yet I've called on a student who's sitting there looking at me with the wide eyes, and they're just, and I look at him, I go, you know this answer. And then they begin to think. Now that takes time, and it takes a level of quiet within to strain for that thought. And of course, everybody else is, and I always say, hey, don't interrupt because they're allowed to think about the answer. So thought is the pursuit of purpose under conditions of uncertainty. You don't know, so you have to think about it. Number two, you have to transform your first preliminary thoughts into a more refined second thought, or potentially even a third thought. A thought can take a path. Uh, you, if you've heard my podcast, you can hear how sometimes I go down a rabbit hole. I mean, thought is a fascinating thing, right? Our ability to take a singular idea or separate ideas and put them together and come up with something new is what intrigues us. We are, I think, I am, I am, I am fascinated at new thought. It, someone's saying something that I didn't think about. This is why composing, music, artists, all of these people, these are always new thoughts. They're just expressed in visual or auditory manners. Well, teachers, one of our jobs is to try to create these thoughts in students. And that's why when they do get a thought, their face lights up and they go, Oh, that's because da-da-da-da. Um, today, I'm gonna, in fact, I'll reach back real quickly here. And go into my files from today and my classroom because I had a, I had a prompt, or not a prompt. I had this uh, this lesson on um, Diary of a Young Woman by Anne Frank. We're reading that, and one of the students in there I don't remember exactly where it is, but in their um, in their assignment uh, of a quiz that they had to take online, and they have to tell me what page they find the answers on and so forth. I let them I let them find it. But let me read to you what he said from the answer. And it was a great answer. And again, this is always what I'm looking for. The question is, how is, how is Anne's attitude towards her mother changing as she gets older? It's now uh, 1944. It's halfway through the book. And he writes that now that she is older, she's looking at things from her mom's perspective. Anne said that her mom did love her, but unpleasant situations hit and her mom was sensitive. Instead of comforting or understanding her mom, she was quite irritable. Anne and her mom are just now getting along with each other. But, now get this, this is what he wrote. Anne said she can't love her mom in a dependent child type of way because she just can't feel that way. I'm like, that is right. You know, she Anne is, is beginning to not love her mom in a dependent child way with all the events. You know, when I asked them... Uh, why did uh, why was Anne feeling bad about Corey? Corey was always talking about hockey clubs or canoe trips. 
And he wrote, when Anne heard all this, she couldn't help but feel a longing for the things Corey had. She wasn't jealous. She was just sad. Um, so, you know, I love it when I can ask a good question. <laughs> and I love it when that question hits that student and it makes them think. And then when they come up with something that's just, you know, beautiful, it you can see their, the look on their faces. They just, they adore the, the th thing that, oh, I, I said that, I, that, was, that was good. So, number one, thoughts of pursuit of, of purpose under conditions of uncertainty. This pursuit entails transforming preliminary first thoughts into secondary thoughts. And number three, first thoughts become second thoughts through the exercise of the disciplines of learning. You know, babies to world-renowned experts practice to different levels of competence. Obviously, a, a baby learns. And we were talking about this the other day, right? In one of my earlier podcasts, they're always learning. One of the things they're learning is they're watching you in the middle of a crisis. How do you handle it? How, how should I act when the world is falling around me? You know? How do I act when I don't know what to do next? How do I act when the instructions aren't very clear because the teacher made the mistake of not really being very clear? Guilty, as charged, by the way. So these disciplines are knowledge acquisition, inquiry, problem solving, communication, and reflection. Okay? Now, one of the questions he asked, and he asked these different people, was who taught you how to think and how did they do it? Now, I'm not going to go into all these re reading things. Because um, they, they mentioned a lot of different people. He's, he's got different people that talk about their fourth grade teacher, their fifth grade teacher, uh, a priest who taught them a class. One talks about their mom. I learned it at the dinner table from my mother. She was a single mom, so it was just her and me every night. She was also a fan, uh, fanatical newspaper reader. We got four newspapers delivered. So at dinner time, we'd read the papers to each other. And about halfway through every single article, she stopped me and asked me, what I thought about what I was reading. As soon as I said something, anything, bang, she'd say, how do you know? Why do you think that? Bang, 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 over and over. I'd, I'd have to come up with something, and then she'd get on me about that. It got to be a game. And after a while, she'd read to me, and I'd go, how do you know that? What do you, why do you think so? I learned to think from her. So, what do you think? dinner tables, home-style learning, building a puzzle. All of these are opportunities to think. And I'm telling you, if you can teach your child to think along with what I'm trying to do in the classroom and what these other teachers are doing, your children have an advantage because not everybody talks to their children. One of the things you have an opportunity to do that you don't get is you have an opportunity to hold conversations with your children you have not had since they were born. Conversations. And the easiest conversation is to say, what do you think? What do you think? So he writes after he goes through all these stories, the first lesson we can learn from these thinker meditations is in the words and phrases that you see throughout them. And so these were the words that he heard throughout every day, continuous, each week, constantly, constant process, a long time, over and over, 
slowly again and again. All these thinkers reinforce the idea that thinking, are you ready? Thinking develops. It's th thought is an object to be taught on Wednesday, but not on Thursday. <laughs> okay? It's not a result of two-week course. You don't pick up a book like this one. This is a great book, Teaching What Matters Most. I love this book. But this is not a book where you just suddenly, oh, okay. I, back when I was a fifth-year teacher, I mean, I was, I was a babe. Fifth-year teacher was 1988. And I wrote down this whole article on how memory is, is, is layered. Now, I, <laughs> I had five years of teaching experience. I was wet behind the ears still. You know, I had barely gotten out and got dried up. I was a babe in in the world of education, and here I was trying to come up with this whole thing on memory and levels and layers and accessibilities and you know I you know it wasn't I'm sure it wasn't original, but I thought it was. I was thinking, and I was doing it over a constant process because because thinking develops. It takes time to develop. It's I love it. It's not something that's taught on Wednesday, but not on Thursday. One of the things we try to do here at school is to teach thinking, and we do it by involving more projects and by more problems. Here, how would I solve this? What would I build? What will it look like? Uh, in, a, in a certification I took for out of, I'm not bragging, but I took it out of Harvard. And I say at Harvard because it was such a, it changed my life. It was called Teaching for Understanding. And, the, and over and over again, the professor would say, okay, you want them to understand that, right? Yes. What will they show you? In your planning, what will they show you to tell you that they understood it? Now, remember, understanding is every child will understand a different level. So what will they show you? I said, oh. And so I began thinking backwards in the process. And if we don't teach them to think and stop to think and take time to think, they won't have time to figure it out. I remember the first project we did this year, right, was, was building those cars. And you could see them looking at all these instructions and going, oh, my goodness. What am I doing? How do I put this together? And I gave them time to stop and look at the diagrams and think about it. Thought thrives through continuous practice. In the age of standards, it can sometimes be easy to forget that thought is fragile and requires cultivation and learning from what? Come on, think. In the age of standards, it's sometimes easy to forget that thought is fragile. If it's fragile, it means it requires cultivation and learning from mistakes. Mistakes lead to thinking. Why didn't it work? How would you do it again? If we start over, what would we do differently? These are the, the root of all thinking is out of mistakes. The other day, my dog was chasing a ball, and she was looking at it like, how do I grab it in my mouth? And she eventually got to the point where she could just pick it up every time because she, she was going through a very primitive level, but she was thinking about this ball. How do I fit in my mouth? And it'd fall out of her mouth, and she'd come at it from a different angle. If we expect to grow, we're going to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. I hope in our day and age we begin to realize that. It's okay if they're making mistakes at home, folks. If they get an assignment back from me and I say, hey, it's okay, let, redo this part, you shouldn't be upset about it. You should be like, hey, cool, let's, we get a chance to redo it and do it better.
each story, he says, teaches us a specific lesson. Thought develops through conversations about shared problems. Thought develops through continuous self-examination. Thought develops through reflections on evidence and or reasoning. That's at a much higher level. Communication-rich learning environments are where skills are modeled and practiced and watched and put into place. Thought develops through strategies that help learners arrange information to meaningful patterns. That's where we come in. We're trying to give them homework and things to do that have meaningful patterns. Okay? So, conversing about shared problems. Hey, guys, let's sit down and talk about our problem. Our problem is we don't have a routine yet here at home. Let's think. How can we fix this? Self-examination. You're not doing as well. Maybe you're not doing as much. What can we do to change? What do you think you can do to change and make this better? Uh, there are so many different ways. But I would say to you, the number one thing I, I want you to leave with tonight is rich conversation. Rich conversation. Remember I said, they're always learning, and noise means they're learning. So sometimes noisy conversations are some of the best conversations. I hope you take a chance to just have deep, meaningful conversations with your kids. And it starts with, what do you think? Read a book. Read, read a page. What do you think? Where's it going to go? Where's the story? What do you think is going to happen? Those are, you'd be amazed the crazy, wonderful things they're going to say to you. So, I hope you enjoyed tonight. I hope you get a little insight. I'm not asking you to be great. No one's asking you to be great. We're saying be what you are. Enjoy your time. Create some fun and joy while they're doing it. And really appreciate the time you have to converse with your children. School's going to start up in August, and guess what? They're going to drop them off, and you're going to go all day with all these adults and doing these things, and you're going to be sitting there thinking, what is my child thinking about right now? Oh, would I give time to just sit with them for another six hours and just... Nope, it's going to be gone. So enjoy it, folks. Thoroughly enjoy it. Relish in this time. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for giving us such an amazing ability to think and to contemplate the depths and the love of you, our Father, in giving us the gift of Jesus. It boggles us. It will, we'll study this forever. We'll never truly understand just exactly what you've done for us. And through the ages, we will sing your praises, Lord, for all you've done for us now and all you're going to do for us in the future. Bless each family. Keep them safe and healthy till we talk again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks. You've got some kids to raise, and I've got some more things to do, but we've all got to go to bed. Enjoy your evening. Get some sleep. I'll talk to you soon.